Hello, lacrosse friends, and welcome to Laxbeat, the podcast formerly known as Box the Beat. I am your host, Stephen Stamp. Very excited to have you with me here, wherever you're listening, whether it's on Inside Lacrosse Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a great show this week. I'm really excited about the conversations I had with Dan Ninnam. He is the founder of the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, they had their first inaugural or their only inaugural class of inductees this year. They had about 10 lacrosse fo first folks among that inaugural class and uh, had a really interesting and fun conversation with Dan talking about why have a North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame, what the reasoning behind creating it was, what he sees its purpose as, and uh, largely saying, you know, we're still here, which I think is, uh, which is great. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think you will as well. Make sure you check out the show notes because we're going to have some links to, uh, to some things. We'll share some photos. We'll have some links to some interesting things that we talk about during the show. Uh, I'm also joined for Frick's Thoughts by Ryan McMichael. It will be a uh, recurring segment here on Alaxbeat. Ryan McMichael has been in the game forever and uh, has some strong thoughts on the game. And we have fun talking about contenders for the NLL championship, uh, contenders for the rookie of the year, and what coach is making him think that he is locked in for the coach of the year and the difference he is making for his club this season in the NLL. And just before I let you go to the interviews, which I'm, again, I'm sure you're going to enjoy the interview with Dan Ninnam and the conversation with Frick, but uh, this show I want to dedicate to Neil Stevens, who died of colon cancer recently. Um, he was a role model for me as a lacrosse writer, a good friend, a very funny man, and uh, he is already missed and will be missed by the sport of lacrosse, by so many sports that he covered. I mean, he went to Olympics, he covered figure skating, he did so much, and he was a great writer, great man, and as much as he'll be missed for his writing, for what he did at the rinks and, and elsewhere, he is going to be missed for the man that he was by those of us who knew him. Um, like I said, really good friend, um, very saddened by his passing. Uh, Neil, this show's for you. Uh, rest in peace, my friend. Joining me on Laxbeat is Dan Ninnam, the founder of the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to have you on and uh, just uh, want to start with just talking about what the genesis of the Hall of Fame was. I know I've read a bit about it, but I'm curious what, uh, what impelled you to um, create the, the Hall of Fame. Well, it could have been started a, a few decades ago. I retired two years ago as a middle school physical education teacher with a PhD, 2009. I got a PhD from University of Northern Colorado in physical education and sport pedagogy. And my bride and I, we chose to stay in the middle school environment. But so one dimension is doing doctor things as I retired, as I mentioned, it's been more than a few decades. I'm a former college basketball player and, and a high school coach and very involved with athletics, positive youth development, 
and we changed it. My wife and my wife is Susan. We changed the positive word to empowered youth development initiatives, and we've done a number of programs with that. Um, but just thinking about along that line is is uh, we used to direct running races, and that transcended into other uh, youth sports camps with different different sports and we would bring in indigenous athletes and coaches and we when we got married 40 years ago we made a lifetime and career time commitment to American Indian education indigenous education as it comes out to be and we had as I mentioned a number of people that would come to different communities uh, elite athletes college level, professional, Olympic level. And working with all those, it kind of came out to thinking about this would be another way to recognize indigenous athletes and coaches, and not only from the state, but also in Canada. So I did my research and I didn't notice there's nothing to my awareness of North American per se. And uh, and I uh, nominated, well, go back a little bit more. I, I looked at a number of provincial Hall of Fames for athletics and, and had some models and have a lot of great support from provincials who have nominated their indigenous athletes that are inducted in theirs to ours. And I looked at British Columbia for one, I looked at all of the different criteria for the different categories and, and kind of came up with our own. For example, in the provinces they have, they have um, the builder category and coaches and officials, et cetera, are inside of that, I understand. And I thought builders are more of, of sustainable program developers in sports and how that affects affects uh, indigenous athletics, so to speak. So we have our own categories, coach in one, officials in another, media in another, and the builders as such in another. So looking at that and, and getting support from the different provincials, and, and there's a couple in the state, American Indian Athletic Hall of Fame started 50 years ago. They, I understand they only have about 111 inductees and and in our first year we just started at the beginning of this year with this uh, concept and we have about 90 inductees including the provincial link is up now but that hasn't come out yet but it will today uh, there's a number of as I mentioned provincial hall of fames that have supported us, including Alaska and, and the Micmacs, and there's a number of others as well, as well as in the state, they support us. So does that all make sense? It, it's just, uh, there's a lot of uh, dimensions involved here. Mm -hmm. So just in terms of, of creating it, you mentioned the uh, American Indian Sports Hall of Fame or Athletics Hall of Fame, and that was, I understand from, from reading, that was kind of a, a, 
an eye opener for you or a light bulb moment kind of seeing that and thinking, wow, there's like you mentioned, they only have what 111 from over 50 years. And you thought there's just a lot more athletes and contributors to sport on the indigenous level that, uh, that deserve recognition. In the American Athletic Hall of Fame, and, and that's uh, came out of Haskell, Kansas, uh, Lawrence, Kansas, and we have a great grandfather that was inducted, and and he was a football player at Carlisle, and he was an All American. He played in a, a Green Bay after Carlisle. He went and played in the Green Bay prior to the Green Bay Packers. He was a number of Oneidas that, that played on that that Green Bay team, the Free Packers. But uh, so that was another area that, that I have been interested in to recognize you know, that area as well, going way back and, and doing research and other boarding schools. They must have had top-notch athletes and whatever environments that they're playing in and like Carlisle they would play a college schedule and they were very successful and as you may be aware with research and Pop Warner you know they named the youth football program after him 100 years later but Pop Warner was a coach at Carlisle but there's so much history involved and thinking of the North American um, realm of, of uh, athletic excellence, they would have to be at an international level. If they're coming from the state, they should be all-American level. And not only just highly successful at the state level, like I would consider encouraging other states, like Montana has a state Indian Athletic Hall of Fame. Maybe other states should also do that for for their you know for their within their state but like i mentioned with ours they'd have to have um, all american status they'd have to be a national champion and coach as well and uh olympian um, professional ranks and so many hall of fames they wait a certain time frame after the person is is done competing, but we'll we'll even take people that are in season currently. For example, uh, St. Louis Blues coach, he's a Cree, Coach Barub, he's a, a Cree and he's he's an inducted in our Hall of Fame. You know, Stanley Cup winner a few years ago. You're familiar with him? You know. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. Craig Barub. Craig Barube, I think is right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in our Hall of Fame and and we'll take them if they're competing right now. There's a number of professional hockey and, and lacrosse players and and uh, so we're looking at the next induction. We we go year to year. Uh, right. thinking of every half a year, but as you know that that's uh there's work involved with that. Yeah, there's a lot to do for, for each each uh, induction. I want to jump back a little bit and just uh, you mentioned and we're gonna. I want to dive into the lacrosse. Obviously, it's a lacrosse show, but I just think that so much of it is fascinating. You mentioned uh, your great grandfather playing for Carlisle before the Packers. Now, the Green Bay Packers, I believe, started in 1920. Did they not? So when when well, was your great grandfather? I'm, I'm from. Well, he was a. Uh, 
late 1800s at Carlisle and like looking at his credential, it was like, I'd have to look, I don't know if you're gonna, you know, and like, I should know, you know, he was all American. He was considered by Pop Warner as one of his top athletes and in, in his career. And, and that was like eight, eight, the late 1890s and early 1900s. And, and Carlisle, it wasn't just like a regular high school team. Some, some uh, people, they stayed there till their early 20s even. And they competed and so, I mean, same institution as Jim Thorpe, you know, he came through there later on. But you know, that's the other thing is that we encourage and that's one of our, our cultural uh, values is that you acknowledge the ones that came before us, you know, and you think of that as well. But there's so much involved, you know, thinking of lacrosse, you know, as you say, this is a lacrosse show. And we have some lacrosse athletes in. We've nominated a number of them and others as well that, that in a sense, they might have wanted to see where this was going. You know, mm -hmm. hockey players, you know, Henry Boucher, mm -hmm. you, know, and, you know, big time. Henry Boucher is big time. Each yeah. person has their own story and each person is big time that's in this Hall of Fame and the future ones that are coming in. By my count, going through the uh, all the inductees from this year, I saw, I believe, seven lacrosse players among the athletes, uh, one coach, two builders, and then one team uh, as well. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. And there's, uh, there's more that will be in there. There's more that should be in there, and there's more that will be in there. I'm thinking of the Iroquois Nationals and all of the success that they've had. And, and you think of even the young ones, they had like U15, U17 world champions last year. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I mean, being a world champion at, at whatever level, you know, you're worthy to be acknowledged and recognized. I was actually doing the play-by-play -play for those tournaments. Uh, so I called those, uh, those games when the Iroquois Nationals U15 and U17 teams won those uh, world championships at those levels. And it was very impressive. And I think, uh, you know, talking to the coaching staff and, and the organizers, the, uh, they were pointing out, like, for them, they saw such a development in the, the, those Iroquois teams on the defensive side because it's um, the – senior Iroquois national teams have always been known for their offense, for their creativity and their skill. Um, but the defense and goaltending has always been where they haven't had as much focus. And it was really impressive to see how good the defense were and uh, the goaltending really growing. One of them, uh, one of the goaltenders, I'm trying to remember which team it was, it was Saga Thompson is the, uh, the son of Mike Thompson. So it's a, a uh, kind of a legacy uh, Haudenosaunee goaltending situation and he was terrific and he's he's very young and i think you know it's you're gonna i think you'll have a lot more defensive and goaltending players that are going to become eligible for your hall because there's more of an emphasis on it to uh, to try as you mentioned the the senior iroquois national team is very successful silver medal at every world indoor championship and uh one including one overtime loss to canada that, you know they were inches away from from winning a gold so um yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting to see the number of 
lacrosse players and builders. And um, I know uh, Oren Lyons is in as, as a builder. And I mean, the things that Oren Lyons has done and, and how he is revered must have made him a pretty easy choice, I would think. Oh, yes. Oren Lyons is, like I mentioned, is, is, is huge. He's big time. He's, he's a, a leader in, in so many capacities. And, and you know, and even though my, my bride said not to use that word nowadays, but, you know, that I use the word contagious. <laughs> you know, so that's the world that we're in. But, you know, yes. his, his uh, you know, the ripple effect, you know, that, that's contagious with his leadership and making others better. It, it's just, uh, you know, he's, he's phenomenal, you know, Warren. And like you mentioned, Mike Thompson. Mike Thompson will be nominated and inducted, and he don't know it yet, though. But, <laughs> but you know, there's so many that, as I mentioned, that are worthy. They should be there and they will be there. And, and another, shed another light on the number of inductees the first year, you know, we've had up to 90, you know, in the first year. And we're, you know, and we don't have, we don't have a level that just a certain amount that, that should be in year to year, but but it is going to be an annual induction and, and we don't have a banquet as of yet due to that pandemic world that we're in. And, mm -hmm. and we don't have a physical building, but we do have a website under North American. I'm in a hotel business. I'm <laughs> four year old. I wanted to get in here, but anyway, he can't. Yeah, the uh, and the, the website is naiahf.org. Yes. Uh, yeah, just wanted to share that with uh, with everyone so they can. I, I do encourage everyone to go look it up. There, are, uh, you know, there are great little write ups about each of the. I shouldn't say little. I mean, there are great write ups about each of the inductees, and it's it it is very interesting to go through and, and see the list. And one of the things you know, you talk about Warren Lyons and everything he's done, and people giving back. Um, giving what they've done for the sport and for others. And I, I look through the, just the lacrosse inductees, which I really did focus on. And I see a number of them who are giving back and really going on in, in coaching roles. I mean, Neil Paulus, who is the head coach for the Netherlands box lacrosse, uh, senior men's box lacrosse team. You got Gay Wash Schindler, who has been an organizer and a coach with, uh, with various teams as well. Jeff Shatler, who is uh, running the Standing Buffalo program in Saskatchewan, his kind of adopted home province, and uh, doing amazing things with uh, the, the Shatler Lacrosse Academy. So it's, uh, you can see people moving from one category into another. And I mentioned I've, I've known, uh, and my wife and I have known a lot of these uh, inductees in our life together. And bringing them into native communities, and and my wife is Red Lake Ojibwe from northern Minnesota, and I'm Oneida from near Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I was just looking at a picture from 1992. We brought the Iroquois National Junior Team out to Oneida, and and New Paulus and Gaywas. They're pictured on there side by side. I'll have to send that picture to you. You know, it's just nice. Uh, think of a historical artifact in one mm. sense, but, but they came and they played uh, uh, teams from 
the Wisconsin College All-Stars and the Illinois College All-Stars. And we had some exhibitions and, and the late Joanne Shenandoah, Oneida musician was in concert nearby. And it was just a really nice event. And just thinking about the last 30 years since that time and, and what has gone on with the indigenous lacrosse players in that community is just, you know, it's, it's, it's still moving so quick. Mm-hmm. It's just so moving so quick and thinking of a number of these colleges that, that are bringing in indigenous athletes who are being recruited that are so-called being retained and graduating and coming back to their communities. And it's just, you know, all of that is uh, being recognized and acknowledged. You know, we talk about land acknowledgement. That's, that's been going out there, you know, and tribal nations acknowledgement. And, and this is our acknowledgement to the indigenous athletes and coaches and the builders and thereof and all of that. So this is, it's really, uh, like we say in the traditional lacrosse game of good medicine, this is, uh, these are all the medicine game. It's good medicine. I'm actually working right now in a documentary that haven't really talked about too much publicly, but uh, I've got some uh, filmmakers, they're uh, students at Conestoga College and they're putting a ton of work in and we're making a documentary about the book um, that was created, written by uh, Brenner Jacobs with Brendan Bomberry, Aguajalagoa, My Big Family. And uh, it, you know, it delves into not just not with just uh, Indigenous athletes or participants in the sport, but so many people in the sport of lacrosse and just about what it means, the family aspect of it and what the culture of the game means to everyone and how it does feel like a big family around the world. And it's that's another example. I think you talk about seeing Neil and, and Gaywas back with that 92 team and uh, having that involvement throughout the years. And I will point out, Neil can still play. He plays with the Syracuse Stingers and he can still shoot. Man, he is really skilled at this point still in his life. Oh yes. And there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to bring them around. We, we, we uh, host and we support a number of Indigenous athletes and coaches, and they go to schools in Minnesota, and they present. You know, they talk about life skills and cultural skills and the physical skills, and and to encourage them to keep on, you know, to empower the younger ones. You know, and and I think of uh, I did a, a story. I'm also a writer. I write for IndianSports.com and Indian Country Today and the Circle News, based out of the Twin Cities in Minnesota all on native sports and other areas as well with Indian country today. But uh, this past weekend at the NCAA D1 Women's Final Four, they had the Indigenous Athletics Advancement Council, a number of people that came in with the initiative to to address the underrepresentation of Indigenous athletes at the NCAA levels and, and providing events anywhere from a clinic to a panel discussion at the WBCA coaching clinic to, and they, they had a halftime show in the, in the semifinal, the first game at the Target Center. And they had a MC who happens to be our son, Byron. He was an MC and he, he of a, they had 
all dancers, so to speak, and, and singers, uh, you know, and acknowledging and recognizing the indigenous cultural ways of, of dance and song and people. And when, I'll send you that, that uh, seven minute clip of that too. And you know, you might be able to use that in some capacity, but, but their message is that we're still here. And that's a number of indigenous people's messages that we're still here and that we are here and their message is extended. We talk about the Indigenous Athletics Advancement Council, their message is that to the effect of that you see it, you know, you can do it, you know, kind of along that line, you know, showing the young ones. Mm -hmm. We'll show you, we'll kind of along the line of we'll paint a picture for you. And this is where you can be a part of that picture. You think of Billy Mills, who has yet to be inducted, but you think of him as well, you know, along the line of, of longevity of excellence, like Warren Lyons, you know, that, that area as well. And there, and there's so many of them, so many. And yeah, we will, uh, we, with the, we are, this is Laxbeat. I am Stephen Stamper, your host, and we're joined by Dan Ninham. And we do have, we appear on Inside the Cross podcasts, and we're also on uh, Anchor FM, and there is a write-up that goes with either each, so we can put links there to that, uh, the dance video that you mentioned, and to the uh, the photo with uh, the Iroquois Nationals team. That'll be great to share, share with everyone. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the, the dance dancing happening at the at the halftime and it's such a, a common occurrence at um at lacrosse events on indigenous soil that there will be dancers involved and it's uh, it's always it's always such a treat to get to see the dancers and there was one in event uh it was it'd be a few years ago now because of the pandemic but uh in a junior b game and it was a playoff game in the Ontario Junior B League. And it was the uh, Six Nations Rebels were playing, I think, the Agwesasne Indians, I think. Um, could have been... Could have been Ganawage, but I think it was Agwesasne. And uh, one of the Agwesasne players started doing a dance in the... I guess it was during warm-up or at some point. Um, and started doing a dance. And uh, the, a guy named Dutch Salinas who was with Six Nations, who I've known for several years. He goes to school here in, uh, in Peterborough, where, I, where I'm based or close to here. Um, he ran out and joined him. And it was just spontaneous that they just started uh, joining in this dance. It's a fabulous. We'll have to put a link to that. I'll go and find the, the link to that uh, YouTube video as well, because it's uh, it, it adds such a such a wonderful cultural element to the to the sporting side of lacrosse. Yeah, that is exciting, and, and you see uh, shows of that, and and I even think of, I think of Lapway High School, Idaho State High School Boys Basketball Champions this last year, and and uh, undefeated at that, but I understand they did that team huddle, and, and then one of the players would be doing a dance step, Paulo-style dance step in the middle of them, and, and that, that went, uh, what's the word, viral? Yeah. So I, I can send you that as well, and and you could send me what what you have. You know, it's it's nice to share that, and mm -hmm. it's uh, and you know they talk about cultural appropriation or misappropriation in some respect with the ethnic mascot 
you know, mm -hmm. and, and all of that. But you think of when it comes from within, comes from within, that's where it's, it's okay. You know, and you mm -hmm. just think of how that, how that uh, affects everybody, you know, involved and yourself and myself as well mm -hmm. to see that. Mm -hmm. And it is, I mean, you know, you talk about the medicine game and, and that's a popular term that is uh, is shared about the game. And we've seen uh, the National Cross League has an NLL Unites program going where they're, uh, you know, they've been trying to share stories from the Indigenous players to, uh, to, to get the same situation. And it's interesting, I was talking to for the documentary, one of the one of the players that's mentioned in the book, um, Omar Yedisterici, is from Turkey. He was a wrestler, didn't start playing lacrosse till he was 19. He was introduced to the sport and uh, actually wound up within, within a year of starting, he was playing for the Turkish national team in Onondaga at the 2015 World Championships because they, were, they had a very small program. So they needed, they needed players. So he wound up with that team. And he said he was blown away because he said he was kind of embarrassed to admit it, but before he got to Onondaga, he didn't realize that Native Americans still existed. Um, which goes to your point of saying, for for those of us, I think in the game of lacrosse, it's I, I don't think it. We can really appreciate how outside of these communities, how many people are are totally unaware of uh, First Nations culture. And this is one of the ways that we can educate. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of the the words of "we're still here." You know, that kind of puts it on a degree of bringing historical trauma in and the boarding school era and and other areas of federalism in both Canada and the U.S. You know, and the negative effects thereof. And you know, we're still here. You know, survivor mode compared to "we're here." You know, that's also uh, empowering. To say that we're here, we're here, and we're we're continuing to be here. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, the the whole residential school situation has been has been appalling, and it's it's. Uh, I think the the one thing that hopefully we can take from it is, like you said, to to remember that our uh, First Nations cultures are still here, oh, yes. and the uh, and. You know, we're still seeing it, it's good we're still seeing shirts we're still seeing reminders and people talking about about it and maybe not as much as it should be i mean it's hard it's hard for any story any item if you want to refer to it like that in the kind of modern news cycle the way there's always constantly new things coming up to to sustain but it's so critical to to not forget and to to continue i mean they're still they're still finding bodies at the the residential Remember. schools of course Remember and acknowledge the ones who came before us. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to do, continue to do. Keep circling back to similar messages. Oh, yes. One other uh, of your inductees I want to mention is you talk about dealing with, with trauma and uh, Delby Palace, who's written a wonderful book, um, The Medicine Game, about his uh, experiences in the cross and, and some very traumatic things that he went through. Um, as a, as a youngster and it's a fictionalized account. It is a, it is a novel, but it's based in his experiences and, and such courage for, for Delby to write that book and share it and share his experiences and, and, uh, and promote it. And it's a similar thing, right? Talking about the traumas that happen on and off of, of 
reservations, but I mean, he was specifically addressing things that happened with, within his area. Standing story, you know, standing mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah. And you think of the, the social media and everyone, you know, sharing their story being inducted, you know, and, and that's just uh, one area that, that, of course, we're involved with, but you just think of the, the thousands of shares that are happening, especially with Delby, he's one of the top ones that have had so many shares with uh, Facebook and others go with other social media, but we just key on the Facebook by way of, of through me and with the announcement, but you just think of others that have recognized and acknowledged him, you know, and you think of, you know, his dad, his dad is worthy to be in, inducted as well. You know, you, yeah. And so many uh, other family members. And, so we have, we're open for nominations you know, on the website or the nomination form. And with the first year, there was a, a number of them that I nominated myself, knowing, knowing them. And Would you like to share the, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I just want to see if you want to share the process for nominating. It, it's, can you get to it through the website? Yes, it's on the website. There's a nomination form. It has all again, the criteria listed. And, right. And, and, yeah, just a reminder, it's naiahf.org is the website. I am Stephen Samper, your host of Laxbeat, and we're joined by Dan Ninham. And uh, when are nominations due for the next class of the, the Hall of Fame? It'll be, uh, I believe, December 10th. It'll be early December. And then do you have an idea when the inductions will be announced for next year? I think it's listed on there. I think January 5th, I think. So it will be soon after. It'll be within a month. Okay. Yeah. So if you're listening and you think that you know someone who should be uh, in, included in the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame, uh, you can go to that site, naiahf.org and uh, reach out. I know uh, Dan will be excited to get the, the nominations. And I just wanted to thank you on behalf of everyone who's, who's involved and who's been recognized. Because I know, uh, I mean, you, haven't, you mentioned that there is work involved, but I'm sure there's a ton more work than, uh, than maybe you even realized there would be when you got it started. And certainly than, than, than people who aren't involved in this kind of thing would recognize. It's, it's a lot to pull together. It's a lot of work. And kind of my own teaching and coaching philosophy is, I should say, it's a lot of fun. So rather than work, it's fun. And, you know, just uh, another way to, to do what we do. And it's just, uh, just to, to realize all the talent that's out there. And, and again, to be acknowledged and recognized is significant, significant. I intend to uh, go on and, and nominate a couple of folks uh, during this process. And I encourage everyone else who uh, would be interested in, in seeing people recognized to do so. And uh, Dan, just want to say thank you so much for your time, for, uh, for doing this. It's, I, I, again, it's such an enormous effort. Like you said, it's a lot of fun, but it's work as well. Work can be fun when it's as meaningful yeah. as this is for you, but it doesn't reduce the change the fact that it is a lot of work. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us and uh, certainly good luck with the, the hall of fame 
on through what I'm sure is going to be many, many successful years. Thank you. Joining me on Laxbeat for Frick's Thoughts, Uncle Frick himself, Ryan McMichael. Welcome to the show. Stamper, what's going on, brother? How are you, man? Uh, not bad, not bad. Had a uh, bit of a tough day, but I'm, I'm feeling better and ready to talk NLL with, uh, with you. And uh, I want to start talking about teams. Buffalo is obviously a favorite at this point to win the NLL championship. They've had a great season. They're sitting atop the league. I'm curious who you think is another strong contender or a dark horse, whatever you like. Who else are strong contenders to win the championship if it's not going to be Buffalo? Okay, well, first of all, let's not say obviously, right? Because I think that the folks in Colorado might have a little something to say about that this week after this weekend, right? Like, you know, they 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 battled through it, and, and that that was that was a great a great win for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like dark dark horses, I can never count out Calgary. You know, Kurt Malowski is one of the smartest lacrosse wines I've ever had the privilege of talking with. And, and he is just an absolute genius. And obviously it took him a little bit longer than he had anticipated to get his offense rolling, you know, while, while losing Dane Doby, who is obviously one of the best lacrosse players of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, they, they get in. Like Christian Del Bianco does nothing but win. That offense is absolutely stacked. Like Tyler Pace is a menace. Curtis Dixon, like you can use as many adjectives as you want for Curtis Dixon and you still won't have enough. Like he is just unreal, stupid, good. And then they got those young guys, right? Like Kyle Waters. I, I had to coach against him when he was in Brampton and Orangeville there for the last couple of years when I was in Whippy. And, and that guy just does nothing but score goals and big goals too. Right. And then there's obviously my boy Tanner cook on the left side as well. So you, you got to throw Calgary in there and then like, look what Panther city's doing. Cool. Like, Before it, we go on from it, Calgary, though, I, I think it's amazing. You just talked about all the, the tools in the Calgary offense and ab- absolutely correct. And didn't even mention Jesse King, who, I, I mean, he's probably been their most consistent threat this whole season. Right. And and, and then, like, you, you don't even count out that transition defense that they have. Like, the yeah. season that Courier is putting together, like, that is just absolutely stupid. Yeah, and then they crazy. just have, like, solid, solid pieces like Ethan Ticehurst and Eli Salama and Dr. Manning back there, like, just holding yeah. the fort. And then, again, C- Christian Del Bianco is, is Christian Del Bianco. Like, the, the, the kid is unreal. I've, I've had the privilege of seeing him play since he was – I want to say 15 years old and every, every time you think, you know, like his team might be a little bit outmatched. Delhi's just like, yeah, okay. Like watch this, like, you know, kind of like hold my beer as the kids say, you know what I mean? Like I'll I'll just go up and I'll, I'll put up 60 saves and everybody can just shut the, you know what up and, and who cares if their offense only puts up six or seven Delhi can easily hold any offense to five, six, seven goals any night that he, he wants to almost, he's that good. And he hasn't had his best season, but you just know he's he's that kind of goalie that if you get into the, you know, if they make the playoffs, which I think there's a really good chance they will. They're in a pretty decent position at this point, and they're getting better. If they make the playoffs, who wants to be going up against Del Bianco in a one game or even a two game, you know, two or three series when, you know, the difference, uh, just look at the last championship when they beat Buffalo. I mean, Matt Vince, I would think most people would think is probably the best goalie who's ever played in the league and Del Bianco outplayed him in the championship. And, and, and that's just Christian. 
yeah. right? Christian, is, the, the kid has zero nerves whatsoever. Like, yeah. he is so cool. It, it's like, it's his swag is unbelievable. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, he, he, he just oozes that, like, you know, when you say, like, a guy has it, like, you don't know what it is, but he has it. Right. Like you yeah. describe an athlete, like, like he has it, right. Like Christian has it, whatever mm. it is, Christian has. Right. And he's just, yeah. he was born to play in those big games. And, yeah. and, 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 and as you said, like it, it's, it hasn't been his best season statistically, but it's coming. Like yeah. th- this is the time where Christian is just like, okay, everybody's kind of talked shit about me. It's, it, it, it's time to turn it on and be Christian and it, it's coming. Like it's, yeah, I won't be surprised to see him hold teams to well under 10 goals coming up here. I want to jump to a, a team that I'm looking at. And, you know, I, first of all, I think Buffalo is an obvious favorite at 13 and two and obviously Colorado beat them. But I think you have, if you're going to have the conversation, Buffalo has to be in it, which is why I started with, with obviously. Um, yeah. They're, know, a wag, they're a wagon. Yeah. Absolute wagon. Yeah. Toronto is playing very well. I mean, Halifax has a lot of tools. Um, George has been very good. I think one team that, is a dark horse that I think is going to get in the playoffs. I think they're going to win their last two games, make the playoffs, whether it's in the East or as the fourth team in the West. And I think they're going to be a problem. And that's the Albany Firewolves because they have a lot going for them. I mean, Joe Resiteris has been unreal. Andrew Q is really playing some big minutes, making some big plays. They have a really good defense, but the big thing, you look at Del Bianco and the difference he makes, Doug Jamison is starting to play in the last several weeks like the guy who won the goalie of the year last year. And I think they're going to be a problem for people in the playoffs, assuming they get in by winning their last couple of games. And, and it's awesome that you said it. That, that's the exact perfect comparison. Although their styles are drastically different, yeah. right? Christian Del Bianco and Doug Jameson. It's been, it's been a battle for how many Mento Cups? Four, four, four Mento Cups, maybe they played against each other. It was a, it was a few. It was a few, like three, yeah. Mi, min, minimum three, because I know Christian played in one as an underager. Yeah. Right? So uh, a BC underager. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So there was there was definitely the, the three, and I, I almost want to throw the fourth one in, but it's another kid that, you know, he did nothing but win his whole life. Mm-hmm. Right? He almost doesn't know how to lose. So, yeah, if, if, if they get into that fight, he's one that can easily, you know, put put teams under 10 goals and and in that league if you can hold a team under 10 goals like you're you're looking like you're in great shape right yeah did you have another one you want to throw in any other team you you think might just surprise some people i think like i think panther city would scare me honest honest to god right like this the things that they're doing down there they're it's unbelievable right they're getting goaltending which is going to be absolutely huge in, in in the playoffs and and like look at Tracy man that's another guy that has done nothing but win his whole life right so you buy you buy into that Tracy Koleski you know that that aura that he has about him like people are just drawn to him right and, and you just want to go to battle for that guy so they get in and that, that that's a fight man that, that guy's been fighting and winning fights his whole life so I I, I wouldn't want to go into a dark alley with a with a squad led by TK I uh, I have a story that I know you're not going to like a whole lot but uh, it was uh, because you didn't. It didn't, it didn't 2012, finish up. Man, 2012 Man Cup, blah, blah, yeah, blah. 2012 Man <laughs> Cup. Langley and uh, the McMichaels are uh, down, are up two games to nothing. And I was talking to uh, Tracy and somebody else in the bar after the game, just hanging out. And, and uh, people are talking like, oh, my God, Peter was in trouble. And look at Langley. They're good. And they've got Nooch. And they've got this and that and the other. And, 
And uh, TK said, it was very calmly sitting there. He said, I don't know why everyone's so worried. We're going to win the next four games, which is what happened. And I know you have your, your theories about some no. of the reasons oh. why, but that was, a, that was a, like, he led them, him. And I think Mac Allen did a great job too on defense, but you know, that was TK just being confident and believing that the process would play out. And, and, and that's just their whole belief that they had over there. Right. And yeah. like, how do you, how do you not when you have guys like TK and junior and Johnny T and Shawnee, when he was a little bit younger and Scotty and Steinhaus and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but it, it, it's just like, the, it, it's that, it's that philosophy that when you get into those dark alley fights and, and let's not pretend like these playoffs aren't going to be dark alley fights. Right. Yeah. Like the, the, this is where lacrosse gets fun. Like those man cups, like that was the dirty, vicious lacrosse and, 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 and it was fun. And, and, and 3000 people a night got to enjoy it. And, and a lot more are going to get to enjoy these playoffs, right? Yeah. And you know, the thing I, I had Tracy on uh, lacrosse link last week and, and I said, you know, you guys, when you're sitting at whatever two and at, at one at three and eight or two and eight or, you know, and, and you were way down, I said, nobody was thinking you're going to win. You're going to win five straight games and be where you are. And he says, he, was. he, he was. goes, who said that? You said that Stamper. And I was like, I was like, I think most people felt like I said, okay, TK, nobody else has won five games in a row in this league in a couple of months. Like it's you and, and Buffalo's had a run. Nobody else has done that this year. So I don't think anybody was looking at the expansion team with a couple of wins and saying they're going to run off like this. And he said, well, you know, yeah, maybe you're not going to win every night, but, but they believe in the process. Like I said, and they, they just, he feels like they can go out and compete every night and goaltending's big. I think you're, you nailed it there. Nick Damood has been good for them. I haven't, I mean, we haven't seen as much from Damood as we have from Del Bianco and Jameson and Vince and Shillian with some of these guys who have proved it at higher levels. I mean, Damood's had some very good stretches. I would be a little nervous about a, a goalie at that stage of his career being the guy you're tying your wagon to for a championship, but Hey, you're you're not wrong but like look at you gotta look at the leader of men right and and, and that's tk and, and they're just so buying into everything that he's preaching all of his quotes are bang on everything that he's saying is bang on and you can just tell that that whole squad behind him from top to bottom from teeter down to the guy filling up the water bottles they can all just buy into that what what that man is saying and, and it shows on the floor they're, they're going out there and and they just all have that same type of swagger of, of business like put on your work boots grab your lunch pail and let's go to work and and it's paying off and, you know, the, that, like that's, that, that's the mentality that you're going to have to have the win in, in yeah. the playoffs. Not, not saying that other teams don't have it, but, you know, right now they're, they're, they're showing it like, tremendously. And the guy who fills the water bottles is my friend Nick Coyne. And he absolutely <laughs> is, is on board. He loves TK and he has been on board and he is probably as fired up as the rest of them. He's actually a pretty good player. I'm sure if it came down to it, he'd suit up and run through a wall for them as well. And, and how do you how do you not love TK right like he's got he, he's he's got to be the runaway hands down coach of the year right now. Like he, to, I mean, I, I, he he has, yeah. he has to be right yeah. after 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 the start that they had, yeah. right? But even 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 if you look at it, their start wasn't that bad. 
right? They, no, they, they were competitive. They, lost, they, they were losing one goal games. They, and... they, 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 yeah, they lost their first game in overtime. Yeah. Right? And then they had that two one-goal losses, and yeah, they got shit kicked twice too, but yeah. whatever. Like, you know, leave those aside. Like, they're an expansion team. But then they just go on this tremendous run to where they put up 20 on Colorado. They beat the Del Bianco-led Cal- Calgary squad. They beat Sask, who everybody saw it's a wagon, you know? They beat Vancouver, who give or take any given night they could be good they could be absolute dog shit but that's neither here nor there but like they're they're just putting up numbers and and that's all got the lead from 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 one one man and 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 to me that's tk and just like the staff that he's put together and, and everything like it's just yeah. you just buy so into the system that I, again like we can we can run back to our playoff talk if if you get into that one game dark alley fight, right? Like yeah. that that that's a scary team. Goaltending aside, that is a scary team to play against because like they that's what that's six six guys running at you as one, yeah. right? And all, and, you know, all working. Thing, in- you you mentioned that they you know they got canned a couple of times and 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 kind of toss those aside. But I almost would almost say don't toss them aside because look at what they did after that. Like they didn't tuck their tails between their legs and say, Oh, we're an expansion team. We just got beat by seven goals and boy, we weren't very good and it's not going our way. Well, next year, no, they were like next week and they would come back and play well. And they might not come back. They wouldn't come back and win right away, but they were, they were competitive every time they got beaten badly afterwards. And and that's just that's a character team right there, right? You know, it's it, yeah, yeah. We just got beat, and we you know take our lickings, learn from our lickings, and and come back twice as strong. We're gonna take a look at one more topic, and it's got some ties to what we were just talking about. One, and it is who is your rookie of the year right now? Is Jeff Teat cool cooled off and in the home stretch of getting his rookie of the year award, or is Patrick Dodds or I would say Reed Bowering also in the con in the uh, conversation. And of course the connections that I'm talking about are that Patrick Dodds plays for Panther city lacrosse club that we just talked about and Jeff Teat. Well, his dad happens to be the offensive coordinator for Panther city. So he's got to have mixed feelings. Although I think, I guess when it comes down to it, it's your kid, but for you, Frick Teat Dodds Bowering, how's it stand? I'm thinking, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to make my buddy Teddy Jenner really happier. And I, I'm, I'm jumping on the Patrick Dodge bandwagon right now. You know, like, look at his last three games as he goes one and four against Cal- or Colorado. Sorry, goes one and seven against Calgary. And then he then, then he drops an 11 spot on, on Colorado in Colorado. And he's putting up nothing but big numbers like they're, they're not like second assists or, or, or hideaway assists where he's just moving the ball once and then somebody else is doing something and he's he's picking up that hockey assist right yeah. like they're big big time plays in big big time situations like it like Reed Bowering is like that what he's doing is, is tremendous and I don't want to take anything away from what 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 Reed's doing he's a great kid you know it's another, another kid I got to see play with those that Del Bianco led Coquitlam team yeah. but he, he's doing it one way you know like he's doing it I wouldn't say he's having a fantastic defensive season but his loose ball numbers are ridiculous so that and that's what I mean when I say he's doing it one way like Patrick Dodds is is leading an offense like he's basically the quarterback of that offense right mm-hmm. and he's going to go back and play another year of junior lacrosse yeah like that's that's like 
Jeff Teat as everybody knew what Jeff Teat was going to do. And I would almost think like, it's, it, it's kind of underwhelming what Jeff Teat has done. Right. Like, like guys over here in Ontario, we seen them put astronomical amounts of numbers up in junior lacrosse steps into senior a wins rookie of the year and then MVP, which is stupid. Right. Goes to the PLL and then does what he does there, which is stupid. Yeah. But now it's it's kind of a little bit like Patrick Dodds comes out of nowhere for most people. Yeah. Well, I would say though, I mean, T was scoring like seven points a game until this past weekend when suddenly without Callum Crawford there, Callum had a kind of an off night and then he hurt himself in warm up and didn't play. And and T didn't have a great weekend. But I mean, he'd missed the two games. He missed the one doubleheader weekend when he had COVID. And that really has put him behind the pace. But he's still leading the, you know, lead, league in rookie scoring. I, I still think it, it's, I would still think it's probably Teat, but it's awfully close to me between him and Dodds at this point. And, and the thing like with Patrick Dodds, I found it fascinating because I, uh, you know, he was a 22nd overall pick, 21st, 22nd overall pick. He's not in the same level of prospect consideration as, you know, Teat, Smith, Nandicoke, LeClaire, Charlotte Beatties all these guys who were top half of the first round picks. And yet he came in and, and then he's, you know, not protected by the team that drafted him, which he understands it's hard to make those decisions. He goes to Panther city, just never complains, never worries about anything, just goes in and starts playing well from week one. And I, I really liked what you said about the, you know, they're not second assists. They're not hockey assists. They're not like, they're not passive assists that he's getting when he's putting up these big numbers, when you watch him, like you see the numbers and he's been improving just on that. But when you watch him play, like you said, he's making the big plays. He's making the heads up plays, the, the passes that are really putting guys in good spots. His lacrosse IQ was, was good, but it, it seems to be improving already um, as he gets into the league. And he has adapted to this league really well. And he's not playing like a rookie at all. I would say the biggest thing that's going to go against Teat and for Patrick Dodds would be that Jeff Teat is probably the second biggest name in that offense. Patrick Dodds is a key cog in the Panther City offense. Patrick Dodds has an off. If Patrick Dodds has an off night, Panther City is in trouble. Jeff Teat has an off night. Callum Crawford can pick up for him. Right. Connor Kernan can pick up for him. Jake Fox can pick up for him. Larson Sundown could pick up for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Dodds yep. has an off night. They're in trouble. So being being the key cog in an offense as a 20-year-old kid going back to junior A has to be a factor in 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 in, in, in what we're looking at here when yeah. we when we think about uh, um rookie of the year. There you go. That is Frick's thoughts for this week. Great catching up, great hearing your uh, your thoughts and uh, a little hold, spicier so hold, this hold, week hold. than we're used to. One, one, one more quick, quick thought. One I was more. listening to a listening to a podcast today with a decreased dive with Bar, Barstool, Jordy, or in some other Muppet. I don't know, but they're talking about NL or, or NCAA D one goalies, and don't mention oh. um, Brett Dobson. I saw your post on that. That's crazy. How, how in the hell are you talking about D one goalies and not mentioning Brett Dobson? If you're talking about bad goalies, then you don't have to mention them. But no, yeah, right, like, 
Oh yeah. my God. The kid that like put some respect on the kid's goddamn name, Barstool Jamie or whatever the hell your name is. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I saw that one. I was like, you can't be serious. Like they, you can't leave Dobson out of that conversation. I mean, uh, we, you know, you watch him play for Canada and in, uh, in the sixes and in the, in the uh, exhibition games they played for the full size squads. And I mean, he's a terrific they, goalie and terrific they, they goalie too. Call themselves the crease dive podcast. Neither one of them are throwing a crease dive outside of maybe pool across. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are we are strongly team Dobson here. At oh, put some respect on the kid's name. Consider respect put on Brett Dobson's name. And uh, was there another one you wanted to get in? Because I tried to cut you off before, and you were determining no, no, that one. I'm glad you did. No, I was I, I was holding that one in. I was talking to Daubert today, actually, about okay. it too. I, I I like it like mind blown. How yeah. do you like I I, I Stamper, Don't get me started. I could go on for another twenty minutes about this. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like yeah. they Mer, Mer, Mernsey's put together a great program. Don't get me wrong. Okay, yeah. I don't want to take anything away from the program. They're goddamn nowhere without Dobson. <laughs> like he's he's the best goalie in D one lacrosse, and these two muppets don't even mention his name. Like it's it's it, it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Mind's blown. Thanks, Rick. It's great having you on the show, and uh, we'll get you back. Thanks, Snapper. Love you, buddy. All right, lacrosse friends, I'll just wrap things up for this episode of Lack Speed. I am your host, Stephen Stamp. Thank you to you, lacrosse friends, for being here. Thanks to Dan Ninham for sharing the information and insight about the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame. Thanks to Ryan McMichael for sharing a Frick's thoughts. Um, again, rest in peace to Neil Stevens, my good friend, and a good friend of the game of lacrosse. Uh, thank you to Logan Borthwick for the editing help and to Scotty Comer for the theme music for Laxbeat as every week. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.